Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Crunch. I'm Dallas Scott, and I'm a digital artist and video artist in between delivering pizzas in Louisville, Colorado. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> that's, that's my that's, better. Yeah, that's, that's my creative better. crunch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> so you created the intro song for Creative Crunch that has actually been rolling. Uh, since the Denver Startup Week mini-sodes. Wow. Yeah, so I, I got that file all worked awesome. into those. And I it got worked out perfectly to... for you. Yeah, and so it's it's been in there, and it'll be at the beginning Great. of this episode, and I think it's been like a definite upgrade, and uh, it's definitely helped me even with my introductions, because mm-hmm. now I just do like a little sound bite, and then I right. say, let's roll that intro. Yeah. You know, and I just and have something. Was... Yeah, that was part of my intention when I designed it. Um, was to have and you kind of mentioned earlier talking about um, what where you start out like what's your jumping off point you know with with creating something like that and that was really my first experience with creating something for a brand so to speak for your for your image you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying and with that I took into mind the content you speak about, the kind of guests you host, you know, kind of your your vibe and your creative crunch, so to speak, is kind of what I took in, into conceptual uh to conceptualization there. Um and I started off with knowing that it's a podcast, right? And knowing that the framing of listening to an episode or um and I love uh sitcoms on TV myself, like Everybody loves Raymond, Friends, like all of the worst TV you could imagine, I eat it up. And one thing about those that I really take a shine to is their intro sequences and the and the, the timing and sort of pacing of all that, depending on the show, depending on the genre, depending on the audience, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, so for this, you know, I wanted to have kind of an ease out, right? but a punch at the beginning to kind of give it a kick and give it a, a, a tone for the rest of the program, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it totally serves its purpose in that fashion. You know, like I'm able to kind of get that little quick sound bite out of like, okay, here's what we're talking about. Roll the intro. There's a nice little song. Um, and the reason I really wanted to have it in is not only is it like a progression in sort of what I would call professionalism, but one of the criticisms or the critiques that I often get, at least about my podcast, and I think just in podcasts in general, is it can be hard to digest a voice talking for like 45 yeah. minutes straight. Yeah. And so now that I'm on the production end, any second that I can get that is not my voice talking 
you know, I cherish and I use those little like interludes that are built into the anchor app in between like little segments because I know like those brain breaks, <clears throat> excuse me, really get you just thinking a little bit differently. They can help you kind of like clean the slate and like take in the information from the new segment. And so just like having that to kind of just like, I think it, again, it really serves its purpose. It sets the tone, not only for the listener, but like even when I'm adding it in, like I kind of know, like, you know, like it's a little bit more official mm -hmm. now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's all like I mentioned earlier, the pacing, you know, that's a big thing, especially with podcasts when you're dealing with an auditory medium like that, where it is um, ent part entertainment and part information. Right. The information, like you mentioned, that that talking, that that function of your brain, that those processes of taking in all that information, this is going to sound a little ethereal, but yeah. Those processes can wear you down after a long time. It's like when I was a little kid, I hated listening to talk radio because it all sounded like the same shit to me. Um, now I love it, you know, because I can digest it. Those gears in my head work better now than when they when they did when I was a, a kid, you know. So a part of that is the pacing and um, getting your brain to switch and give it rest, you know, from the understanding and the learning and the engagement. Um, and giving it a break to digest, you know, and, and, and it, it 100%, I agree, it helps from a production standpoint when you're piecing together these shows to know, that, oh, this is what's going to happen here. And then even starting with a regular intro, a regular theme that you have every episode, every week, so to speak, that can give you a sense of, all right, I know what I'm talking about in this episode. And... So I know where I'm going to start. It just helps you sort things out and chunk piece things together so much better. And coming from a background of appreciating cinema and cinematography and scoring in cinema um, is something that I think really lends well to my application of sounds for podcasts, you know, to have um, almost an ambient um, kind of background sound or something to kind of more deeply immerse the listener mm -hmm. uh, in a way, I think is really key to having a um, a well-rounded podcast, you know, as far as um, from the sound aspect goes, you know. Yeah, and I think in a strange way, the podcasts that are starting to kind of like take the lead or like edge the market are more and more like radio shows, right? right. From the turn of the century. Right. The more and more you can be like War of the Worlds or mm -hmm. that type of production, the better. I think I was watching or listening to something where they were promoting really basically like, um, it was like basically I would call it like a stage reading of a play. And they were going to have a live folly artist to make the sound effects and everything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you should have just heard people go like, ooh, ah, wow. And, you know, like, and I'm not like a historian or anything, but I took my intro to mass media class at Metro. Right. And, you know, the, the similarities are uncanny, you know, yeah, it's, and it's, it's almost hilarious <laughs> in a way to see sort of the excitement around something that really is so old, mm -hmm. you know, and it is those things that I think. Um, really like attract people to maybe like the true crime kind of podcast and those like narrative ones, you know, like is when those sound bites kind of happen. 
um, that separates you uh, really from someone like me who's just sitting in their room talking to themselves, mm-hmm. you know? It takes you into the story and into the world of that podcast, you know? And that that's true for any genre. It's true for science podcasts. It's true for fiction podcasts. It's true for business marketing and creative podcasts, you know? Um, and for me, I... You know, I grew up on radio. Our family always listened to radio. And one program that both my brother and I uh, grew up heavily on was Prairie Home Companion, which is a show that features different segments. But it's all like you're, you're, you said, very much an old fashioned radio program. They have recurring like storylines and different segments where they had one segment that was like a noir parody, you know, mm-hmm. and. All of it, you know, Guy Noir, Private Eye. Yeah, that was the guy. Yeah, yeah. And they, and you know, they had an onstage Foley artist as well. And they would, they toured the show eventually. And we finally got to see it in person. And that was really thrilling for me and formative in a sense of realizing that there are people and, and things in motion behind the speakers of your car stereo, you know, behind your headphones that are, orchestrating like i said a world of of that sound they're they're creating something else that in some way takes us from where we are driving down the interstate and suddenly i'm on a beach in miami following some guy trying to solve a mystery you know that kind of thing and I initially wanted to go into radio as my degree, and now I'm doing TV broadcasting as kind of um, I'm more interested in, in video and stuff like that. But I initially wanted to go into radio because of that background, because of being raised on these experiences of magic of sound and magic of creation, just just through a radio, you know, just through a speaker, and. Um, it's really crazy how when I would tell people when I first started my degree, they would say, uh, oh, so you're not trying to make any money, you know, because I started going to school out in California was where I started my degree. And everybody out there is trying to go into film and TV. And at this point, it is true to say that radio is somewhat of a dying medium. But um, like you're saying, these things are cycling through these trends and themes and programming is living on in podcasting and in the digital media that we see now, you know, and exactly like you said, it's no different from those olden age uh, radio shows with the, you know, the Foley and the like recurring storylines and everything like that. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, that generational thing of Mm -hmm. like, we're in that in between and we kind of, we may right. have not had a lot of years without the internet, but at least a chunk of our formative years, we didn't have the internet. And then a majority of our formative years was like the launch, right, of mm-hmm. this of this technology, of this global technology. And I think, you know, like from, we could say from like what, when we were maybe like in fifth grade to when we graduated high school, you know, was an insane time like we're talking about the genesis of basically every major social media platform that's still in existence like mm-hmm. happened while we were experiencing education and while 
like people like you and I would have still stayed up to watch Adult Swim, right? And right. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Would yeah. have had to like build that into sort of our physicalness, right? To obtain that kind of content. Mm-hmm. To whereas now, like I can binge watch everything that I used to stay up and wait for new episodes of. Yes, absolutely. I can get on the Adult Swim YouTube channel right now. Yeah. And so I really think it's like doing something interesting, and I think that's what's going to be kind of like our generational contribution is really like this in-between recognition. And I think our generation is going to kind of deal a lot with the ethics and the psychology right. of this. right. And I agree with you 100% on the Adult Swim stuff because I had the same exact experience. I remember fondly waiting up. And sometimes it was hard. Sometimes you would want to fall asleep. But no, I wanted to stay up to watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I would wait through Squidbillies back when I didn't like Squidbillies. And now I do because I had to wait through it to watch Aqua Teens. And that's the same kind of thing that generations before us dealt with with radio programming. And that's where I get back to this sort of cyclical sense of media culture. You know, these themes and types of programming and, and, and types of storytelling and entertainment will always be relevant to some sense of the human unit. You know, it's, it's always going to resonate with people. And because of that, these things will keep being reborn and being retold across all these different mediums, you know. VR is the next one, right? Because that's definitely where everything else is headed. I can picture all media. You know, we won't have TVs in the living rooms. We'll have people sitting around with headsets on, you know, just living their TV, you know. But this on-demand kind of binge-watching culture, what I call a convenience culture, I just completed a work for my 4D class about all about this, what I call a convenience culture where, you know, I can sit down and watch whatever I want. I can buy whatever I want. If I don't want to cook for myself, I can, on my way home from work, I can drive through a restaurant and eat whatever I want, you know. It takes a certain sense of drive out of you, you know. Mm. It takes a certain sense of that human urgency to complete a task. And that is true in media and in consuming media as well, you know, because Back in the day, you had to, there was no DVR, right? You had to set a VHS recording for whatever show you weren't going to be home to watch, you know? And before that, you were just SOL, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, and then uh, that's very interesting. Um, So what else have you kind of picked up from this 4D class? Because I know the last time we got together, this was kind of like a pivotal moment for you being kind of. I just started it, yeah. Yeah, sort of drinking the Kool Aid of yes. higher education art. And, yes. Uh, yeah. As your ego inflated? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I can tell you that much. If anything, it has shrunk. Good. For one part, because of the new um, softwares and, and programs I'm learning for the first time. You know, okay. I was a little bit familiar with Photoshop before, but Premiere, of course, is the main one for video editing. And this has been my first taste of dipping into Premiere. And so that has been daunting and challenging and frightening at times, as it is with learning any new software or any new thing. You know, I've had moments where I just want to throw my computer across the room and quit art forever. You know, (laughs) this art hurt me. So it's one of those things that 
definitely has had a learning curve, but it's also the first time that I've been like, wow, maybe I should change my major. Like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? So it's one of those things that has clearly speaks to me and speaks to a part of my creative self and a part of my creative crunch. And it's one of those things that, um, I'm super ready to, uh, keep pushing myself on because we're working on, um, you know, video art, performance art, all that kind of stuff. And it's really, um, opening doors to my creative self that I either ignore or deny or pretend aren't truly there. I don't mm-hmm. give myself credit as an artist because I don't, you know, it's not, uh, it, it truly is my crunch. You know, it's not a thing that I, I mainly do. It's something that I do for passion and for enjoyment and just to explore uh, my experiences a little deeper. Yeah. Well, we're all trying to figure it out, so you're not alone in that. Please don't <laughs> change your major because I've seen people get caught in that trap before. Uh, literally these days, like, I can't even, like, stress this enough. Like, a bachelor's degree is, like, just another little stamp. So, like, nobody really gives a shit what it says, <laughs> you know, on there. Um, and back to this, I mean, like, I think, you know, with that degree saying, like, telecommunications or something like that or journalism or whatever, that's still very marketable. And then, like, the this weird stuff can, like, either influence it and, like, as long as I – the biggest word I always come back to is consistent, right? Yep. So if you're consistent with completing your education, but you're also consistent with producing weird video content, you know, and like publishing those 4D class projects on your own personal YouTube, like regardless of how good you feel about them or not, but like consistently having out a video out every week or something like that, you know, then I think, you know, that's how you kind of figure out what the balance is and what the sort of, I don't know how else to put this, but what the market would bear. Um, but as long as you're consistently like doing something weird, you're going to attract an audience from that. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. And the thing that I've come to realize, like getting 100,000 subs on YouTube is not hard if you're consistent. You right. Know? Right. Um, you know, getting a million subs is not hard if you're consistent, you know. And the more and more I try to like dissect people like. Uh, PewDiePie or Markiplier or Jacksepticeye or any of those kind of, mm-hmm. you know, gaming kind of like daily YouTube kind of videos. The A-listers of streaming, the A-listers of right. YouTube. Yeah, right. It's it's a consistency game, right? It's not the fact that every day is a single art project. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then you might get an art project, right? Like we got that sweet diss track from PewDiePie and that's like original content, you know, and that's what his nine-year-old army is pushing for, you know. The people it, did love it. You we know? can't and, deny on that. Right. And so if the other days have to be, you know, sifting through subreddits and giving commentary, then that's what they have to be. And so I'm just excited, you know, for anything more of, like, your consistency game to go up. You yeah. know, like I was going through your Instagram, which is kind of my first introduction into your art world. And right. I was kind of shocked at, like, how few posts you have, you know, and. Not that they're any kind of metric of success or anything, yeah. but I, you know, was expecting a lot more consistency, I think, and just right. like weird, weird things happening. And I think there's a slow uptick happening now that you're 
in school and kind of building up thinking that. about it yeah it's on my it's on my radar now but one thing about particularly about my internet habits with social media and instagram more in particular and that you'll notice if you're scrolling through my posts is that more often than not i don't tag my posts i don't bother with trying to expand my reach and a part of that is a dedication to uh, myself and being being what I am and being creating what I create and staying true to that. And I think contrary to the need for that consistency, because you're totally right. It's one of those if you want success in the media age, in the freelancing age, in an arena where you're producing all of your own content and all of your own marketing for the most part. Um, you really have to be constantly doing things. And that's where you get these YouTubers breaking mentally and physically breaking down and ha not being able to balance all of this. Um, but for me, it's more important to do my own thing and stay true to myself. And I have faith that the people who resonate with my imagery and my vision will find me eventually. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, the world works out that way. Yeah. And, and I guess, well, what I'm trying to say is just to kind of clarify this, and this is strange for me to advocate for this, is not to use your Instagram as a marketing tool. Right. Right? Yeah. What I was kind of maybe just getting at was in terms of, like, expecting to see more is just – I don't know. You just strike me as a very creative person. And so that, I don't know, I just t tend to associate with output, mm -hmm. right? Like to yeah. me, creativity yeah. equals output. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, and I'm learning from like Denver startup week that maybe that's not the most, like you're saying, ethical, socially responsible thing to do. You know, it may not be like, I tend to use the code of ethics. So you won't hear me say, morals or morality but you know if you mm -hmm. subscribe to that it may not be the most moral thing right to do to be cranking out an image every day i um, mean when you're talking about media ethics it's a different thing if yeah. it's if you're fooling your audience but if you're providing information and and entertainment and content for your audience that's totally fine you know yes. and it's it's i'm not dissing on that at all it's yeah. something that I cannot m keep up with. I'm not organized enough. I don't. I'm the type of person where when things hit me, I'll do it. And it's it's either shitty or kind of spectacular or somewhere in between. But I don't. Um, and, and there's this weird dichotomy between you mentioned that I am very creative. I have a vision and people do pick up on that when they meet me and get to know me. But there's a dichotomy within me between that being just one facet of my experience and what I output to the world would be a better way to put, to put it. What the content I put out is not always um, art or visual. It could be this, you know, this is content yes. right here, a conversation. Totally. And, as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more limited in that broad uh, definition of content that I put out. You know, I don't, I, I'm not very um, outgoing and, and outwardly social with new people. I'm not the type of person who's 
making new friends all the time and talking to people on the bus, you know, but there are moments and I think it does coincide with those moments of deep creativity where all of that kind of aligns, you know, and it's one of those things that when, when maintaining an account, maintaining a brand, so to speak, you need those things aligned most of the time, not just when it hits, you know, and that's something that I struggle with and something that since I struggle with it, I don't aim to achieve that or conquer that goal, you know? Yeah. Because if anything, like I see your Instagram more as a documentation tool and as a sketchbook, right? It's expressive. Yeah. Yeah. It very much reminds me of Matt Jenkins, Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I never quite know what that person's up to, but you will just get like these, just, you'll just get inundated with like posts and like, because I'm creative, I can tell that there's something going on right. and I can tell that like this means something yeah. to Matt. And so just the fact that I'm able to even like have access to that, I mm-hmm. think is astonishing. And you know, like, and I think you've put up a very interesting tactic and there's actually like a lot of marketing buzz now around private accounts. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've noticed ma- so many more of them. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. interesting? And yeah. like on my end, there is a lot of talk about it in terms of like audience growth and things like that. And so mm-hmm. that's why like, I, and I hope this isn't coming across this way. I'm not pressuring you to create anymore. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an yeah. interesting examination because my habits are unusual. You know, yes. it's not a typical way of going about things at all. Well, and if anything, that is your competitive advantage, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what I've been trying to develop through my photography and through my video editing and oh, yeah. things that I do, right, is that. And so, you know, I think we're in the same boat and where I don't even use likes as a metric for anything, you know? If I like the photograph and I think I can make it kind of like play into the grid and it looks cool in the preview, I'm going to use it, you know, and if now I'm, you know, using the same photos in my story and then a couple days later, you'll see them as a post, you know, I'm getting over any, any kind of like mental constructs I have around it Mm -hmm. because I went to like this influencer panel discussion uh, during startup week and it was basically five or six very successful females who used Instagram and basically had no idea how they got successful, right? Mm. You know, it was a room full of marketing people and guru people who wanted, who were itching for that equation, yeah. right? Like you could see the people yeah. waiting to write down this plus this equals fame. Right. And it was six completely different stories mm-hmm. who had all started Instagram at completely different times with completely different goals. But the only thing that you can take away from that is authenticity and building your own narrative. And so, like, that's why I really wanted to interview you and kind of get your perspectives on that is because I think you're actually doing a great job and have a great mental state around social media. Yeah. That kind of like maybe in this last 15, 20 minutes, I would love to just kind of like hear your more of your philosophy around it, because I think you deliver the same message that I have, but in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I tend to preach at it, you know, from marketing and communications yeah, and from a practical sense. Right. Right. And yeah. like what I try to preach to everyone is like, if you use something that automates your social media and you just kind of 
find that middle ground between it being like an art project and documenting, you can actually buy back a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. You can spend less time on Instagram. You won't be as sad. You won't be using likes as a metric because they're completely arbitrary and they're bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you really want to value a number currently on Instagram, value how many eyeballs are looking at your story. You know, Um, so I think, and it's, you know, and that game is constantly changing. And so for me, it's been, more and more authentic and that's why i wanted to interview you and why i honestly kind of look up to you in your instagram game is because it is a hundred percent authentic right Mm -hmm. like there's never been a moment during one of your live streams or during a post where i've been like this is off brand you know like yeah that's never come across from the (laughs) first time i like watched you run on a treadmill and then turn it up faster because i was watching (laughs) You know, to like just like getting hang- to hang out at Pride and like be around your bubble. Like, I get it. What you're saying right now matches what I've seen. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you kind of just, you're there, you're in the social group, but like, you're just, you're kicked back a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, you're chilling, you're watching. More you taking know, in than, than uh, contributing. But that, yeah. that taking in is your contribution. Right. 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 I'm still there. Exactly. Very much so there. Yes. And like, especially because I tend to do it too. It's nice to like, maybe have somebody else to check in with, you know, and they're like, Hey, are you seeing this shit? Like, that's crazy. Like, why does that person keep going to the bathroom? You know, like, (laughs) you know, Yeah. and it, it, and it's vital because I think it's providing a perspective and I'm very excited to see, like, it's perfect for like your interest of cinema and, video right because you're just going to be holding this object that's like an eyeball that just records things and then you're also going to be able to see the story happening in the interview or whatever's happening and then that's just going to make you even better at like editing and directing and bossing around somebody who's better at premiere so don't sweat it yeah right? there like, we don't, go don't, don't sweat it <laughs> yeah you just got to get good enough to boss somebody else around <laughs> That's the that's the top of the mountain there. Uh, long way to go, but yeah, that's the goal. To answer your question though about um, Instagram in particular and my philosophy on social media, and mentioning about the um, the arbitrary aspect of likes and how it does it just doesn't matter, you know, and and particularly with Instagram with the algorithms that they have in place to literally control what is being viewed by the population and even by the people who follow you um, is something that is kind of impossible to work around to some degree. So anything that I post on my Instagram, and I will sometimes post things and delete them like a few minutes after I do that sometimes, but for the most part, anything that I post on Instagram is something that I'm satisfied with. And like I said, if it resonates with anybody else, this is just one window where I can put that piece up so that maybe anybody passing by who sees that is like, hey, yeah, you know what? I like that. And so I'm not truly disappointed or discouraged or even feeling at all the amount of likes I get or the amount of exposure I get on any particular post because to post it, I'm satisfied enough with it to kind of release it and set it free, so to speak. And with my Facebook, 
Um, my Facebook social media habits are totally bizarre. I just post memes and like not anything personal ever really songs and stuff. But like I have people who I see very rarely and I'll run into them at parties or bars or things like that. And they come up to me and the first thing they say is, whoa, you post such funny memes on Facebook. Like, whoa, you know. And my take on that is, like, if I post such funny stuff on Facebook, you should talk to me about something funny, not that. Like, I don't know. It's just something that strikes me as really bizarre, but also interesting to examine in the way that that's the lens that people have of me through that medium, through that network. You know, they think that that's all I am because that's all I put out. And that's something that I toy with and something that I deliberately play on with my Facebook account and something that you could say is somewhat of an ongoing project, um, semi-deliberately, because it's just absurd the amount of um, people who value that over a person's personal experiences, you know? Like, as if your Facebook profile or your Instagram profile is the representation of you and you are more the pilot behind it, like kind of just like working the gears, is a more and more common image that people just take for granted. And it's something that I think is totally bizarre and totally absurd and something that I adamantly work against in my social media habits. You know, I think to sum up my social media philosophy, right, would be kind of a, a karmatic uh anarchism right you know chaotic good yeah chaotic good exactly or, or a little like all across the spectrum it's a very <laughs> chaotic good chaotic neutral chaotic evil there's a little bit of all of that middle <laughs> column you know but that's a that's a pretty good way of saying it and you just got to kind of let go and do your own thing and that's something i've been doing for most of my life and it's worked out so far I haven't hit the big times, but I'm not sad about that because I'm doing my own thing. I'm hanging out with friends. I'm creating cool stuff with people I care about and people who I vibe with their vision. And that's the most important thing above all, above likes, above exposure, above money, is to just be creating experiences and art and things that you care about with people you care about. And we're in the middle of the big thing, right? We're, we're, we're working on our own big thing. There, there is nothing to chase because we are it, right? Mm -hmm. Like the more we dedicate to each other, the more podcast interviews we do, the more times we hang out, the more pictures of each other we take and we share like that gives us a stake in what's happening. And that really, again, I can't, I think I should have just taken you to start a week with me because you've definitely got to go with me next year. That. Yeah, I would have loved that one panel with the, the Instagram uh, yeah. people. That sounded it, really interesting. You know, and it's it's your tribe, and it was very reassuring for not only me, but I think people like me and, you know, like you, you know, who have right. not only this creative brain that wants to make things, but really does want to have a place and a seat at the table in right. – the next world in the net, like really wants to not 
complicitly let these things happen, but make a creative contribution in one form or another that steers the ship. Mm -hmm. And so it's not chasing that thing because we we're already it. Like we've already made it to the big times, you know, like it's crazy. We found each other. Like we've clicked, like, you know, like it's insane. Like the same goals, the same vision. And so it's all about just buckling down and supporting each other and kind of keeping that circle tight and just, really doing it and then like one day we're gonna wake up and we're gonna be like dang we, we are in the big time you know? yeah and it's... yeah i mean and if not that we'll wake up and we'll look back and see all of this beautiful stuff you know yes. that's that to me is the true goal not to wake up one day and oh wow i'm famous and rich is to wake up one day way later down the road and be able to look back and say wow like look at what we did yes you know like my funeral is about to be popping yeah like Pepsi yeah. center yes all the screens yes. like yes. lambos <laughs> in the middle of the arena seats filled to the yeah. nosebleeds you know yeah. like <laughs> yeah yeah and it's i agree it's a mix of the collaborative and the creative mind that's yes. those are the two strongest assets in today's creative world in my opinion is the collaborative and the creative together in harmony yeah totally man well i've never had reoccurring guests on the podcast but i'm thinking maybe in like another month with another couple classes under your belt i think we should just keep touching base and kind of having these I love them like esoteric meta conversations on i go all i go all over the place yeah yeah, you know, like, nothing makes me happier than talking about a podcast while recording a podcast. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> We're like going how, see. How self-indulgent <laughs> in the 21st century can you get? It's um, it's really been a pleasure, man. I'd love to come back another time and talk about uh, uh, memes and internet and just the way we are. It's been totally. Really- uh so where can we find you where can we stay in touch with you and how can we hire you in between pizza runs (laughs) (laughs) well i uh for almost all of my creative and online stuff as we mentioned you can check me out on my instagram and that is cybersuck c-y-b-e-r-s-u-q cybersuck and i do currently have a visual arts blog up on tumblr and that is Dallas Scott Visual uh, at Tumblr.com. I don't know. Just Google it. Maybe we'll put a link. Maybe we won't. Maybe you have to dig for it. <laughs> One of those things. You guys know how to use the internet. Yeah, I'm pretty good about putting links into the description. Whether or not you can click them when you're listening on wherever it gets distributed is a whole other thing. I kind of try to keep tabs on that, and I know some of them you can click and some of them you can't. But, <laughs> yeah, definitely check Dallas out and uh, give him a follow. And, yeah, I think it would be cool to kind of have you um, on again in November and kind of just touch base with you. And as your brain is exploding and you're making more art, just kind of see how all of that goes. 